Well, hey, uh, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to the moms in the room. Um, for, if you're not a mom, that is not a slam against you. Uh, we know that today is uh, sometimes a, a particularly hard day uh, for some ladies. Uh, and so we would just want to, uh, for the moms in the room, for the wannabe moms in the room, for those who are mother figures in the room, um, we want to uh, pray that you feel the presence of the Lord around you, whatever your current situation is. Uh, and so if you are a lady in the room, one thing that we want to do, uh, you may have seen it on Facebook or on Instagram or wherever things post around here. Um, we want to say thanks just for the job that you ladies are doing uh, in your homes, but in our society uh, as well. You play an enormous and significant role uh, in the lives of everybody around you. And so um, we have some beanery gift cards, actually, um, that we want to give to you. Um, dads, don't take them on your way out, okay? These are for the ladies. Uh, and so when the service is over this morning, uh, there will be a couple of people with hang hanging out at the back door. So ladies, feel free to grab one uh, on your way out the door. Okay? Sound good? Happy Mother's Day uh, to you guys. Um, let's pray, and then we'll open up our Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Father, thanks this morning. Thanks for this day, um, for the rain. Uh, that's happening outside, that's just kind of watering the earth, getting things ready to, um, to grow up and to feed us uh, in the days to come. Uh, so thankful for that. Uh, thankful for our farmers, too, who get out and, and uh, do all of that work. Um, right now, Lord, we want to say thank you for the ladies in the room. Um, I pray that your presence uh, is around them, that they feel that on every side. I pray um, today that they understand the significant role um, that you've given them in our world and in the society and how important they are in the homes, um, whatever the role that they're playing inside of those homes, we're just thankful uh, for these ladies. So I um, want to lift them up to you right now and pray a special blessing over them, God. And uh, for our morning, Lord, we want to be attentive to what you have for us. Uh, we want to open up the scriptures, want to hear from you. We want your spirit to move amongst us. Um, and when we leave, we don't want to leave here the same. We want to leave here changed or poised to be changed uh, through the word that you deliver to us through your spirit, I pray. Uh, so this morning is uh, for your glory and for our good, and we pray that you would use it in a magnificent way. In Jesus' name, amen. Do y'all remember uh, March 2020? Yeah, right? You're like, who you, who you think you're talking to, man? We all remember 2020. Um, it's a kind of a silly question. But in March, the world kind of shut down, and there were a lot of questions that were going around around the time. And regardless of what was going on, we all found ourselves kind of sitting in our homes for a while, trying to figure out what we're supposed to do. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't really do anything. And so we were kind of homebound, and we were like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And do you remember what we said to each other during that time, kind of collectively as a group of people and people in our home? Do you all remember what you said? We learned something during that time. Most of us realized that in our lives we were going so fast. Um, we realized that we were trying to squeeze so much in to our, our little lives and things that were going on, and we had time to realize something that we hadn't maybe recognized uh, before. But when we were forced to slow down, we all kind of said, whoa, what have we been doing? I don't, I don't know when this whole pandemic thing is going to be over, but I'm not going back to that pace of life ever again. I'm not going back to what we were doing. 
I remember so many times Ashley and I, we would be sitting in our house, um, just kind of hanging out with each other, and we were hanging out with the kids, and we were playing games and doing things that we wished we had time to do before the pandemic actually kicked in, and we would just kind of catch each other uh, with, with a glance across the room, and there would just be this smile uh, on, on our face, and it was almost like intrinsically we were both kind of thinking the same thing, like, I, I don't know what's going on, but this, like, this right here, man, this is good. Like, this feels good because the deal was we were caught up in the rat race. Like, we, we were running on the wheel, and we were going, and we were going, and we were going, and we were tired. We were worn out. We had been run ragged. And we just kind of looked at each other across the room. And we're like, yes, when this is all over, let's make sure not to go back in the other direction. But you know what happened? Things started to uh, slowly open up again. And I don't know how it happened for you and in your house, but we found ourselves right back in the same place. We said, we're never going back to that place again, but we found ourselves right back in the same place that we were. Why does that happen, right? Why, why, does something like, why do we have this problem of, I don't want to burn out, but yet we keep finding ourselves right back in the same place that we were in before we were kind of experiencing this, this burnout place? Here, here's what I think. And it, it's going to sound like I'm culture bashing for just a minute, and I'm like the grumpy old man sitting on the front porch yelling at kids getting off my lawn, okay? But, but that, that's, not, that's, that's not what I would want to be. Um, I, I just want to try to pinpoint why we keep roasting ourselves within our culture, okay? We live in a culture today that keeps beating this drum that says, you can have it all, you can do it all, you can be it all. And it doesn't really come with any significant consequence to your life at all. That there's no cost to your life. You can have it all, be it all, do it all, and there's no cost to you. Now, in the business model, if you run a business, we would never sign up for this in a business model, right? Like, hey, come on in. I'm going to open up my doors, and you guys come in, and you take anything that you want. And here's the good deal. Like, it doesn't cost anything. It's all yours. It's all free. Now, we would never do that in, in business, because we know that that doesn't work out economically for us. But we've bought that lifestyle as a culture. You can have it all. You can do it all. You can be it all. And there's no real cost to your life. And what I want to say is that I think that this is a lie that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. So think with me for a second here. In the Garden, God told Adam and Eve, he said, I love you, I made you, I've got what's best for you in mind. And then he kind of sets up something that doesn't really fit very well with the pace of life that we live with in the 21st century, okay? He, 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 he says, I've created these God-given limitations, these good limitations uh, for you. And these God-given limitations are good boundaries. They're a good thing. They're not, they're not a slam against you. This is before sin. These boundaries were a good thing for you and for the days ahead. God said, you can have all of this stuff that's in the garden. Every single bit that you see is for you, for your enjoyment. Love it, use it, be blessed by this. But there is one thing that you can't touch. One thing. You stay away from that. You have access to everything else. What do you think they did? They went after the one thing that God said stay away from. Satan comes along after God has this conversation with them, and he says, hey, you, you know that limit thing that, that God put out in front of you? He's messing with your freedom. You can, you can actually have it all. You, you don't have to, like, you can go for it all. You can be it all. You can take it all. And in that moment, a lie was born 
A lie that says there's no real consequences to going after everything. Your limitation, it's evil. It's not actually a, a good thing. Do, do you see how this works? You have God over here. He's saying, I created you. I know you. I know what's best for you. I have what's best in mind for you. I've given you healthy and good limitations. And then you have Satan on the other side saying, no, wait, listen here. You can have it all. Your limitations are terrible. God doesn't have your best in mind. And there's no real consequences for, for going after it all. And we know how that works out. We've been bucking against the boundaries ever since this moment in, in the garden. And right now in May 2022, we live in a society that is modeling itself around that limitation in the garden. Every day we're looking at that limitation and we're saying, no, you can have more. Keep going. It's good for you. All the while, we're suffering so many consequences as a result. Our bodies are exhausted and they're fried. Our relationships, they're strained and they're broken at times. Our mental health, it's hanging in the balance and it seems to be falling apart. And yet we keep trying to add on more and more and more. Like, like something in us is never going to snap and break. We just, like, you can do it. You can just keep adding, adding more. And what has happened is that we have this internal guilt now or this internal pressure that we feel that we've got to keep up because of this social norm that, that's, that's become the expectation for us. And if you somehow don't get on the crazy train with, with everybody else, the, the idea is that you're going to be left behind. Or the fear of being left behind is going to drive us down the road into things that we don't even want to do. And then the cycle, it just goes over and over and over. And so moms, right, right quick, I want, I want to talk to you um, specific, specifically about this. You guys are amazing. You guys do so many amazing things. You're doing a fantastic job. But I, I'm guessing that you feel some of this pressure to keep adding on and adding on and adding on. Now, here's the deal. You can take it for what it's worth. But I don't think you have to be a superhero. I don't think you have to be super mom and put on a cape every time that you wake up in the morning. I don't think you have to have an Etsy shop. You don't have to have a Pinterest board. You don't have to have a blog that everybody else is following uh, in order to feel significant and, and valued. Do you know what you're free to do in Christ? You're free to breathe. You're, you're free to catch your breath and not keep adding things on because the model that we've been um, uh, being fed it's not the model that God gave us. We've been following a model that's been broken since the garden. It dates all the way back to Adam and Eve. And, and here's why we're talking about that this morning. When we keep blowing past these God-given boundaries, these good boundaries that he's given us, we find ourselves in something called burnout. And we're seeing burnout more and more around us in every single facet of our life, whether it be in our family, whether it be at work, whether it be at school, whether it be in relationships, we are finding burnout at a much faster rate than we've ever experienced throughout uh, history, okay? And, and here are a, a few things that I was just kind of uh, peeking around um, this week, reading some articles and some blogs and things, and just doing a little research on, on um, uh, what burnout looks like. And, and so if you're wondering, like, am I burnt out? Like, am, am I, am, is there something in me that I, like, I don't know is in me? Am I burning out or am I burnt out? If you're, if you're wondering if you fit in that category, here's just a few telltale signs. Now, don't be like, when I, when I read these, don't be like, oh, um, uh, Dr. Oz or um, what, what is the, the medical thing you can just go on? You just start Googling stuff like, I think I'm a WebMD. Web you just like go down this one. Like he said that I'm tired and so I'm got to be, you know, don't, don't go down that route. 
These are just a few, a few telltale signs here. One is that we're, we're just tired. How do you know burnout? We're just tired. And this isn't just coming home at, at, at the end of the day and, and, you're, and you, you're tired because you worked hard. This is you were just physically exhausted and, and weary. Like you're starting the day off like this every single day of, of your life. Just worn out and weary. You're short-tempered. Um, we don't want to be short-tempered, but because we've spent, um, we're, we've spent so much time adding and adding on, we don't have any more capacity to add one more thing, and so we're just edgy all the time. This is actually how I know that I am getting close to burnout or I'm kind of in this world because I start to get grumpy and I'm on edge with everybody uh, around me. And then on top of this, like we feel defeated and we feel like we're, we're never enough. Like there's always something and I don't have enough. I can't be enough. Um, and we start to attach our identity to this thing and we start to kind of drag in, in uh, the mud here. And there may be some things that you didn't uh, get to. You may be doing a thousand things really, really well, but there may be that one thing or a couple things that you didn't get to or you're not doing as well as maybe that you used to be able to do and you feel crushed because you couldn't get to it all or you couldn't do it all. Now, these are just a, a few areas that, again, that I was peeking at this week, but does any of that sound familiar to anybody? Anybody feel some of that, that pressure? Burnout comes when we buy the lie that we can do it all without any consequences whatsoever. Now, I want to look at a passage this morning in, in Mark that I'm guessing that most of us are familiar with, um, but it's a key moment in the training of, of the disciples where Jesus addresses this particular issue. It's a moment where the disciples, they get to see the mighty power of Jesus on display, but at the same time, they get to see how Jesus shows them that they can avoid burnout in the days that are ahead when it comes to the ministry that they're going to be a part of. Because it's hard to be useful when you're burnt out, okay? It's hard to be useful when you're burnt out. Think about a light bulb. A light bulb is really good when the filament is working or whatever makes an LED light do what it does now. But when that light bulb burns out and you flick on the switch and no light comes out of that, it's not doing its job very well anymore. And so we don't want to be a light bulb that's completely burnt out. We want to be a light bulb that is, is shining and it's shining brightly. So how do we do that? Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that they had done and taught. Now, a few weeks ago, um, Ryan Potter stood up on the stage and he talked about when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. And they were uh, not to take anything with them. The only thing that they were allowed to take with them was their friend, their, their two by two partner, right? And then the next thing they got to take was the authority of Jesus along with them. And so while they're out doing the work that God has called them to do, Mark says that they cast out many demons, not only did they cast out a lot of demons, but they healed a lot of sick people too. And that's pretty cool, right? To go out with a buddy, like, we're casting out demons, we're, we're healing sick people. And that's not something that was normative at the time. That is something that only happens when God is in the midst and he's present in the work that he's called you to do. So these disciples now, they're coming off of this huge ministry tour where they've experienced some real satisfying moments, some real successful moments in their lives where they are kind of riding on a high. And so two things can happen when you've been successful in the past. And I don't know if business success or ministry success or relational success, two things tend to happen. You can think that that particular success that you had, that that's normal, 
And so because you feel like it's normal, you feel like you have to keep producing at that same, that same level and, and in order to stay successful. And if, you're not, if it's not successful, then you're like, well, I just need to add more. I need to make it bigger. I need to make it better. I need to make it the best. And so that pressure and that hamster wheel begins to, to keep going. So that's one thing that can happen when we um, have a level of success. But there's another thing. We can start to think that the success that happened was all because of us that we made it happen, that, that we're the reason that everything around us is, is going well. I remember a time when I was uh, in New York, and, and Ashley, we were doing ministry there, and Ashley, she handed me a book, and, and it was called Replenished by a guy named Lance Witt. I think I might have shared this before, um, but it was so crucial in my life. She handed me this book, and she said, hey, I, I, think, I think you should read this. I was an associate pastor there, and uh, I had a few little micro successes un- under my belt, you know, so I was, I was feeling, uh, feeling pretty good. And then after that, things started to just kind of feel really heavy. And she said, Anthony, I think you really need to re- read this book. I read this book, and it's great. It will be beneficial to you. And I said, okay, give me the book. I'll read the book. And, and so she gave it to me, and, and I held on to it for a while, and she followed up a little bit later. She said, hey, Anthony, did you read the book? I said, no, I didn't read the book. She said, hey, read the book. I said, okay, I'll read the book. And she followed up with me a little while later. She said, hey, did you read the book? I said, no, I didn't read the book. She said, read the book. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll read the book. And, and I didn't read the book. And she came around again. It's not, that happened for a while. We won't just keep going, okay? But eventually, I, I read the book. And it was so good for me because here's what it talked about. It talked about putting too much weight on yourself for the successes in your life and about putting too much weight on yourself for the failure, in your life as well. And I realized in that moment, it was actually it was geared towards ministry, so too much weight on yourself in ministry, too much weight on yourself in failure in ministry. And I realized in the moment that I was burning out because I had jumped on this crazy train of trying to do it all, and when I was trying to do it all, thinking that I was doing all the work, like, like it was all being done, like all the good stuff was because of me, and when it failed, it was because of me, and what was happening was I was taking credit for it. And I was finding my identity in what I produced, rather than finding my identity in Christ. So identity, for me, was being found in what was coming out of me, rather than finding my identity in what God had put in me. And the, our identity is in Christ when you become a believer. He puts a spirit inside of you, and now you are his, and that changes everything about you. Now here's the deal. It's really easy for us to start feeling bulletproof, or like a, a big deal, when you get a few successes underneath your belt. And then the pressure kicks in for us to to do it again, or to do it more, or to do it better, or to do it bigger. And if you can't do it better, bigger, faster, whatever it might be, then somehow you've become a a failure. Isn't it interesting that right after some of our, uh, or uh, that some of our biggest failures come right after some of our biggest successes or our biggest victories? I don't know if it's just a humbling kind of a thing, but it's interesting that right after we have this huge success, all of a sudden there, there sometimes is a failure that follows up. Like, think about it like, like this. You may have been like the greatest mom for, for like all day, and you were just a rock star, and everything is going fantastic, and then like three seconds later, the house is falling apart, and the kids are going crazy. You're like, I don't know if I've got enough to handle these kids. I don't know if I've got enough to raise, and all of a sudden, the, like the switch gets flipped. I was doing amazing, but now I'm terrible. I, I'll never be enough to do what God has called me to do. So I want you to watch what, what Jesus says in verse 31 to these guys to help them avoid this kind of a path. So then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. If you underline in your Bible, 
I want you to underline the beginning of chapter or verse 31. Underline it, circle it, highlight it, do whatever you can to mark that thing off because this is a principle of life that is so needed but we so often neglect, getting away with Jesus for a while. And right here in this moment with these disciples, Jesus is so gracious, he's so wise, and what he's doing is he's saving the disciples from, from themselves. Because I think one of the best ways for us to stay healthy and to avoid burnout is to get away with Jesus for a while and to let him recalibrate us and we rest with him for a while. And you know what happens when we get away with Jesus for a while? And this is going to be really hard if you're a controller and it's really hard for us doers, okay? But this is when we get away with Jesus for a while, you know what we're able to see? We're able to see that the world can function without us. <gasps> huh? The world can function without me? It can function without me burning out to make sure that I'm holding everything together. Yes, when we get away with Jesus for a while, we, we get to realize we're not holding all things together. He's holding all things together. And then when we get away with Jesus for a while, we're also able to, to be able to stay useful because we get rest and we can see things clearly and we can think clearly. We have the energy to do the work that he's called us to do. If we're not getting away with him, we're running on empty and we're trying to minister or live on fumes and it just doesn't work that way. And most importantly, when we get away with Jesus, we get to remember that any success that we have in life, it's not because of us, it's because of him. And it's only and always because of him, because of Jesus. Uh, my mentor uh, used to say, and he still says, um, hey, don't forget that it's Jesus who's doing the doing. It's not you who's doing the doing. It's Jesus doing the work through you. So anything that you think you might be pulling off, it's not you. It's him. Remember, don't forget, Jesus is doing the doing. Here comes a familiar part in verse 32. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and, and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. This is a phrase that you see pop up in the Gospels a, a few different times. Um, Jesus has compassion on the people because they are lost and they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You ever see a sheep just kind of on its own, doing its own thing, when it's not with the shepherd or, or the person who, who uh, his voice or her voice he knows? Like, they're just helpless. They don't know what to do. And when Jesus would look out at the crowds who were supposed to be being, being led by the, the religious leaders to lead them into a closer relationship with him, he'd say, there's no leader who's doing this job. And so he had compassion for them because they were lost and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd. But Jesus, he genuinely cares for the, this flock. That's why he's there. And so in this moment, he begins teaching them many things. Verse 35 Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. And they're like, with what? They asked. We have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Jesus says, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. And they came back and they reported, okay, we have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. Can you imagine that? You got, like you're looking, you got all these people on the hillside, and Jesus says, hey, go find out how much food's out there, and they come back like, we got five loaves and we got two fish. Really? That's all you got? Okay. Verse 39, then Jesus told the disciples, have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or uh, 100. So here's what's going on on the hillside right off of the Sea of Galilee. It's evening time, and the sun's beginning to set, 
to just try to imagine just this beautiful array of colors off the mountain uh, along the Sea of Galilee. And there's this huge crowd who's been following Jesus around. Now, uh, presumably this is a mostly Jewish crowd, but there's certainly Gentiles who are in the mix as well in the middle of this crowd. And, and Jesus, the disciples, and this large crowd know that it's going to be getting dark really soon. And so they stand there and as they're standing there, they begin to, like, hey, our stomach's growling, okay? And they begin to realize we haven't eaten anything all day. But they've been so captivated by Jesus' teaching. They've been captivated by the miracles and the healings that have been going on that they haven't even had time to even stop to think about, hey, maybe we should get some food uh, at some point. But they have a problem. It's getting dark. They're on the side of a hill. They're away from anything that's close to get food. And I love how Jesus never misses an opportunity um, to, to, have a teaching, to, to have a teaching moment. He's the master of the teaching moments. Jesus was so good at either um, uh, preparing a situation in advance in order to, to teach the disciples or other people, or taking any given situation and teaching from that moment as well. Uh, but he was always looking for opportunities to teach the disciples. And this may be one of the greatest lessons that they ever are going to learn. And it may be even one of the greatest lessons that we'll, we'll ever learn as we read the scriptures. It's a lesson that centers around our limitations. And in the middle of our limitations, we get to see God's goodness in, 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 in the midst of them, okay? So look at what he says in verse 36. The disciples, um, they, they realize that it's late and there's about to be an issue. And uh, you can almost see them looking at the hillside and looking at the crowd and, and, or looking at the sun going down and be like, okay, what are we going to do about this? And then in 36, uh, uh, they say to Jesus, hey, send the crowds away so that they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus says to them, why are you putting this on me? You feed them. The, the natural question that they have is, with what? What, how, what are we supposed to do to feed these guys? They ask, we have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Now, in the back end of this text, what we're going to learn is there, that there is at least 5,000 people that are sitting on this hillside. So 5,000 men is what it says. Oh, if 5,000 men are hanging out there, men can't hang out by themselves. There's got to be ladies around to make sure that they're taken care of because guys can't function by themselves. That's why we need ladies. That's why we need moms, okay? So with these 5,000 men on the hillside, there's got to be wives and ladies that are there as well. And then there's kids hanging out there. So that 5,000 easily goes to 10,000, maybe even 15,000 who are hanging out there on the side of the hill. There are a lot of people that are here. And what the disciples are saying is that, hey, we would need to have 8 to 12 months worth of a salary, all of us collected, pulling our money together to buy food for everybody who's on this hillside. And oh, by the way, it's getting late. There's nothing open that where we could buy food for enough people like this. It's almost like in this moment that Jesus wanted them to know that they didn't have enough of what they needed. Don't you think? He wanted them to know you don't have enough. You can't be enough on your own. Don't buy the lie. It's in our limitations, and when we recognize that we don't have enough, that we get to experience the power of God. So we get to see the power of God on display. And so that thing for you that you feel like is a nuisance and a boundary and a limitation just keeps getting in your way, that thing, those things that you feel like, why is that there? Maybe reshape your thinking around it and think, you know what, that thing that that obstacle, that boundary, that limitation, it actually may not be a hindrance. It might actually be the blessing that God wants to use so that I can experience his power in my life. That might be what he's trying to do with that. The Apostle Paul echoes this in 2 Corinthians. Um, it says, it's in our weakness 
within our limitations and recognizing that we get to experience the, the, the strength of God. Here, look at verse 8. I think we have, there we go. Um, the Three different times he says, I beg the Lord to take it away. And what he's referring to, to is he's got some type of physical limitation in, in his body. Uh, and, and he didn't want it to be there, whatever that is. And he desperately pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said, each time that I did, here's the response that I got in verse 9. Each time, here's what was said to me. My grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in weakness. Or my power works best in your limitation. And what you perceive to be a weakness. And so now I'm going, I'm, I'm glad to boast about my weakness or I'm glad to boast about my limitation so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul was echoing what Jesus was getting to in, the, in, in, in this little incident on the side of the hill. Verse 38, he said, how much bread do you have? He asked, go, go and find out. And they came back and, and they reported, we have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. Now, it, it amazes me that in a crowd this size, five to 15,000 people, that these disciples can only find five loaves of bread and, and two fish. You ever, like, you ever read the text and be like, how is that even possible? Like, like you ever ask questions like, like that? Like, that, that's where my mind goes. Like, really? Like, was nobody preparing to be out past noon this day, right? Like, there's no food really to be found. And, and, and so Jesus says, okay, Bring me what you found. Bring, bring it to me. In verse 39, then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Maybe 10 to 15,000 people on this hillside sitting in little groups of 50 and, and 100. And Jesus takes this bread, he lifts it up to heaven, and he gives thanks for it. And then this is what he says in verse 41. Jesus took the five loaves, the two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute, distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. Now, I don't want us to miss the significance here in, in what we've been talking about this morning. Of course this is a miracle, Right? Of course this is significant. Of course there's an amazing thing happening here. Of course this is, is a big deal in history of what just happened. But what are the disciples learning about Jesus? What are they learning about how things function within the kingdom of God? What's, what's it going to look like to live inside the kingdom of God? They just come off of this huge two-by-two two kind of ministry tour of casting out demons and healing people. What Jesus is teaching them is so much bigger than five loaves of bread and two fish becoming a lot of food and, and, a, and a lot of fish for uh, the people who are on the side of the hill. I want you to try to imagine how, how this worked. How would five to 10,000, maybe 15,000 people had enough bread to eat on the side of the hill? Jesus has the people sit down and he gives the bread to the disciples to begin passing out to each family. And so these disciples, they go and they get bread from Jesus and they take it and they give it to a family. And then they go back to Jesus. And they grab bread. And they go and they take it to an, another group of people. And then they're out of bread. And so they go back to Jesus. And they get more bread. And they go to another family. And they do this over and over and over again. Until 
they are out of bread, and then they go back to Jesus, and they do it again. Uh, Every time they run out of bread, they had to keep going back to the source. They had to keep going back to Jesus, so they had something to give out. If they tried to do what they were asked to do without going back to Jesus, they would have nothing to give anybody else. Because what Jesus is teaching the disciples and if we're reading this, what he's teaching us to, there's something significant here. Says, if you want to have anything to give, if you want to avoid being empty, if you want to avoid thinking that you can try to figure out and do this thing all on your own, if you want to avoid burning out, don't forget where the bread comes from. If you want to avoid burning out, don't forget where the bread comes from. You are not the source. And every time we try to live like the source, we end up burnt out. You are not the source of your life. You are not the source of success. That doesn't come from you. Adding more won't be better. Adding more and doing it bigger and doing it better isn't always best. There are God-given limitations for us, and we have to remember that he is the source, and we are not the source. It is in him and through him. He took something that was so laughable, five loaves of bread and two fish, to feed a whole hillside of people. And he showed the disciples and the entire crowd who was sitting there, and you and I who are reading this now, that he's the source of life. He's the source of satisfaction. There's a real significant limitation that we have in our life. There are all kinds of significant limitations. The need for food is just one of them. And they're there. Those limitations, those boundaries, those guidelines, they're there so that we get to experience the power of God. Something for us to remember is that we can't do everything. We're not always going to be enough for everything that we want to do, but we'll always have enough to the thing that Jesus has called us to do when we keep going back to him as our source. When we bump up against our own limitations, our eyes are open to seeing our deep need of Jesus, and so we keep going back to him because he's our source. So what do we do, right? How do we avoid burning out? How do we avoid burning out as a mom, burning out in ministry, burning out in our job, burning out in our relationships? We remember where our bread comes from. We remember who's the source. It's it's hard, right? It's hard to be useful when you're you're burnt out or you're on your way of burning out. And how do you know if you're chronically tired, if you're constantly angry, if um, if you never feel like you're enough, if you've got headaches all the time and your stomach is aching all the time, if you feel depressed all the time, if you're restless even in the middle of all your depression, these are just some telltale signs. These might be signs that you're putting way too much pressure on yourself as the source of all things rather than putting the pressure on Jesus to be the source of all things for you. So, Recognize that your limitations are God-given and they are good and that God is in control and he's so much better at being in control than, than, than we are. So what do we do when we walk out here today? Okay, we go home, we make some time to get alone with Jesus. We, we go and we rest with him for a while. Um, if you've gone rogue, if you've been trying to do this thing on your own for so long, talk about it with him. Have a moment of confession with the Lord. Like, I've been trying to live this out on my own. I can't do it like this anymore. If you're empty and you feel burnt out, don't try to fix yourself. Like, don't give yourself something else to do to add to your list, right? Like, don't don't do that. It's just another thing to do. Go get in front of Jesus and just say, Lord, I am tired. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I've been living as the source. You are my source. Give me today 
my daily bread. Maybe you've been bucking against the boundaries. Maybe you've been saying, no, boundaries are evil, they're bad, they're not good. Uh, I want you maybe in, in a moment of humility to sit in front of the Lord and say, hey, thank you for my limitation. Thank you for reminding me that I can't do it all and I wasn't designed to do it all, that, that you've actually got something better in here for this and that that limitation keeps me dependent on you. Would you pray with me? Father, thanks for your word. Thank you um, for this lesson from five fish and two loaves or five, five loaves and two fish. God, that you were able to take something so laughable and to remind us that you're the source of life. God, we're... Some of us in here, we're burning out. We've burned out and we're weary and we're tired. And we just need to remember that you're our source. Our bread comes from you. Our life comes from you. Our identity comes from you. We don't have to find it in doing more. We don't have to find it in a blog. We don't have to find it in all this other stuff that everybody says that we need. You are who we need. You give us what we need for today. You keep us grounded for the day and for tomorrow. And so let us not run and chase after things that are just going to leave us wanting at the end of the day. Let us remember that you're what we need. You satisfy. You are enough. And we're enough in you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, moms. <laughs>